Um, we're looking at um, doctrines, and this doctrine here is very important. And a doctrine is a foundational element of what you believe. You've got to figure out what you believe, and if you take away some of the doctrine, you have a different religion. Because if you take away the, doc the Baptist doctrine that we hold true, and it's not just Baptist doctrine, biblical doctrines, you can switch things real quick of work salvation, baptism, um, Baptism does not get you to heaven. And this one today is very important. It's the great white throne judgment. And we're going to talk about it and hell itself. And there's a lot of verses in this. I'm going to try to get through this. I'm going to read as many of these verses as I possibly can for you. But there's a lot of verses in here. And you say, why is this important? Because if you don't understand a literal hell, then why did Jesus come back to this earth? Why did he come to this earth to die on a cross for us to get us where we, we don't have to go there? It's all based on salvation at this point. And here's a foundational doctrine with this, and it's called the White Throne Judgment, You'll see the Great White Throne Judgment. You'll see it found in a couple scriptures, and we're going to look at those. Go to Revelation chapter 20, and we're going to go 11 through 15. Verse 11, it says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. There was found no place for them. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. The sea gave up the dead that which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. It's interesting how people perceive a literal hell. Well, I don't know, and we're going to go over some things. If you look at the very bottom, you know, what are some misconceptions about hell? We'll look at those. And there's a lot of things that people just don't want to admit that there's a literal hell. There's a place that people go in torment. And as, as I always revert back to, I can still remember the house that I knocked on, and it had a porch on it, knocked on the door, and a Jewish lady opened the door, and, and um, I was talking to her, inviting her to church, and, and she said to me, she said, well, I believe that there's a heaven, but I believe that there's not a hell, a literal hell. I was like, that's interesting. I said, where do you get that from? Because it's definitely not from the Bible. And she said, I just don't think a God of love would do that. And we, kind of talk, we were kind of talking about it. And, and I don't normally do this, but I, at the end of it, I said, can I ask you a simple question? Then? If you don't believe in a literal hell, where do you think Adolf Hitler is right now? And you talk about a, and I would never normally do this, but you talk about a 360, she said, oh, he's in hell right now. I said, ma'am, I said, you can't have both worlds with it. You can't have this and that, and you can't pick and choose. I said, you better get this settled, and you better understand. I had, gave her a track, and I wanted her to read it, but it's so funny how we can quickly say, well, that, they would do that, but I, I don't think I'll go to it. Well, you know, our sins are just as deep as anybody else's. And so we've got to understand what it is about this doctrine of judgment. And we're talking about the great white throne judgment. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the things that you put in it that we can understand some things. We won't understand everything until we get to heaven. But Lord, we thank you for the things that you have said and you have given us. And Lord, with that, I, I, I just think of this, this doctrine that we're going to look at today. It's very important that we understand some things with it. We must understand the foundational elements of what the Bible says, not what the pastor says or not what a preacher or a teacher says, but what the Bible says about these. And as we look at these verses, Lord, may we see this aspect of this, this judgment that's coming 
um, to earth. And then we look at a literal hell. May we see these and understand that this is very important for what we believe. And Lord, we, we thank you for all the things you've already done for us. And as we look at these, may we just have an open mind and look at what the Bible says about these things. And we'll give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. The great white throne judgment, of course, is found in Revelation chapter 20, and it actually calls it that as, as it starts. We're going to break some of these verses down in just a second. But the judgment is called great because of the one that sits, who sits upon it. It's a, it's a great judgment because it's the one who sat upon it. If you look at Malachi, you don't have to turn to these. I'm going to read these pretty quick. Malachi says, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Jude 1, 6, as the verse says, it says, And the angels which kept not the, their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved an everlasting change under darkness unto the judgment of that great day. He's talking about the great white throne judgment. So the one who sits on it is called white because it indicates absolute righteousness. White always in the Bible refers to righteousness. That's just what, what it always has. White robes, it's referring to the righteousness. And, and we, are, we are robed in that. So that it, it, because it indicates absolute righteousness. Now, letter C, I notice that there's a word missing in this. It says, we read that from his face, you've got to put the word from in there, from his face, the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. This indicates this takes place after the destruction of this present creation. We just read that in this verse. I think if you're still in Revelation chapter 20, it says that um, in the verses that we just read. And, and, and we've got to see that the judgment is called white and it's called great, but as it goes through this, the, the creation is destroyed before this. That's what I feel it is as I, as I look at these. Let me kind of read these verses. It says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. God's going to bring all of our things that we do, not in this judgment, this is not for us, this is for the unsaved. And it's going to be a rough thing to go through. Because there's a lot of people that put what their faith in what? Works. And they're going to think that they're going to go into heaven, and they're not. Aren't you thankful that we don't get to heaven by our works? You know, it's amazing to me that the people that I know, how many of you know someone that is work-based salvation, somebody that you know that, that, believe, that you just know? Are they normally good people? I know some people that are work-based salvation, and they don't, they don't live a good life. I don't know what they're basing it on. And, and as, as we look at the Bible, we can see as a doctrine, it's not a work salvation. It's a grace salvation. It's God's mercy that He showed. He brought His Son to this earth to die on the cross for us. The unsaved from all ages will, will be bodily resurrected at this point, at the end of the time, to stand before God Almighty. And this white throne judgment is going to come, and it's going to be a terror for these people. Because many of them think that they're going to make it. Some have speculated that this, that this is the moment that the earth and the heaven are destroyed. There are two important po points about this. Number, the next one says, The souls and the spirits of these damned have already been suffering in hell. 
Well, where do you get that? There's a story Jesus says, and I'm not going to read all these verses, Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31, but you know the story. It's the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Remember what it says about the rich man? What? He lifted his eyes in what? Torment. He said, just bring that, bring that beggar over here and, and just let him dip his, tongue, his, his, his finger in the water and put it on my tongue. He is in torment. They are going, they spend, they're already being in this, but then they're going to be judged in this. They're already in hell. They're, they're going to be judged in this. And it's not going to be a great thing for them. Their soul and the spirits of these damned already have been suffering in hell. Not only that, in letter E, their bodies have been in the grave awaiting this fright, frightful day. Now, what a lot of people will say, well, what about those people that their bodies are destroyed? Well, we serve a, a great God, and He can recreate everything. He can bring them. I remember going to a funeral. It was my sister's friend in high school. Her mother went into a building, and they thought they had everybody out, but someone said there's somebody else in there. So she went in the front, and that person got out the back, and she didn't know. It was a big building in, in Sullivan County in, in Indiana. And when she got in the middle of that building, it exploded. And I'll never forget this as a child, going to a funeral, and they didn't have a casket, they had a pillow. And on that pillow, the only thing they found was her wedding ring. And they put that wedding ring on that pillow. And I remember asking mom, well, where's her body at? They couldn't find it. It was a bliver, just gone. God knows how to take care of that. If he created this world, he'll take care of that. What if they're, they're, in, they're thrown into the sea? The Bible says that their bodies will come out of it. I don't, well, what if a fish ate? I, I, you know, I can't answer all those questions, but God can. But God's going to bring their bodies back and for this frightful day. John chapter 5, verses 26 to 29. You don't need to turn to it, but here's what it says. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son of his, uh, to, to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth, that they have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. So there's one of two places. We've got to see that, that there's one of two places. You say, well, I'm not really sure. Most people in here, I'm talking to the choir, most people understand this. But there's people out in this world that think, if I just do good, everything's going to be okay. Then if that's the case, then why did Jesus come here? Jesus himself talked more about hell than he did heaven. He wanted people to understand what was coming, coming to them if they did not get this done. And it, letter F is one that's very important. At this judgment, there will be no defense and no hope. When you talk to somebody about their salvation now, what do they do? They'll, they'll push it off and say, you know, I, I've got time. Do you really? I've got, I, I don't have to do this now or... I'm trying to be good as I look at this. But when the record books are open, if their names are blotted out, they won't be able to go to heaven. What I'm trying to get you to understand is this, 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 this judgment is a rough judgment for the unsaved. Imagine the horror of those who have tried to enter heaven some other way. What are some other ways that people try to enter heaven? 
I know we've got works-based salvation, but tell me some of those things that they base that. We've got good works. What are some other things that people say? Baptism. Well, if that's the case, then Jesus lied to the, 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 to the guy on the cross beside him. So he never got baptized. And what are some other things? This is probably one of the most prominent ones people say. Have you ever talked to somebody about their salvation? They'll say, well, my dad was a Baptist preacher. That has nothing to do with your salvation. Or, my grandma was a charter member of this church. So, can you imagine walking up to the Savior and saying at the Great White Throne Judgment, but my grandmother was a charter member of a Baptist church. And he would look at you and say, so? I didn't die for a charter member. I died for a person. I did this for you. And we sometimes we get this all, people get this all twisted in their mind of what salvation is. At that great white throne judgment, there are no excuses. And, and I hate to say this, but there's no hope. There's not going to be any hope for them. Now watch this. How many of you have loved ones that are unsaved? I know I do. Make you think about that? And sometimes we won't talk to them because they'll say no to us? Hmm. That's a rough thing. At that point in this, I wonder if they'll look at us and say, why didn't you tell me? Remember Jesus said he'll wipe away the tears. Why would there be tears in heaven? Hmm. So now let's look at this, a literal hell. Well, let me read on Matthew chapter 7. Verse 21 and 23, it says, Not everyone that saith unto me, this is Jesus talking, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Question mark. And in thy name have cast out devils? Question mark. And in thy name done many wonderful works. Now watch this. I want you to finish this. And then will I profess unto them, I what? Never knew you. You know what that tells me? You cannot lose your salvation. He's, he's, he's saying in this that once you're saved, you're always saved. So these things start laying on top of each other. You know, you, these doctrines that we're looking at. And here it says, listen, once, once you're saved, you, you can't lose your salvation. You say, well, what happens if you know somebody that's, that's done a lot of bad things? They've done a lot of bad things. They're backslidden. And they'll be able to go to heaven, but you know what? When those crowns come and you can pass it, they won't be able to give any crowns away. Watch. When you find, let's say you go to your, your dad. Let's say everybody's, everybody in here, their dad's alive. The mom and dads are alive. And you go see your mom and dad. When you've done good, what do you do? You keep your head up. What do you do when you've done bad? Put your head down. Did it ever change that they were your mother and father? No. What changes your relationship with them and what you've done? So we've got to see this, that there's going to be no excuses, no hope, for those that, that do not know Christ as their personal Savior. Now let's look at a literal hell. There's a lot of things in here, and I'll try to get some of these, most of these verses in here. Hell is both, letter A, hell is both a real place and a literal existence. The Old Testament, Sheol, is translated in, into hell, and it's found in Psalm 55, um, Psalm 55, Proverbs 9, and um, Amos 9, 2. Let me read some of these for you. Um, 
Psalm 55, 15 says, Let death seize upon them and let them go down quick unto hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. Proverbs says, But he knoweth not that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of hell. Amos says this, Though they dig into hell, thence shall the, thy, mine hand make them, take them, though they climb up to heaven, thence will I bring them out. Well, what kind of place is this literal hell? There's a couple things in here. The first one is it is a, literal, it is a place of great sorrow. Now, when I say these things to you, you're not going to be there if you're a Christian. So don't get, oh, man, this just sounds like a terrible thing. No, what we have is a wonderful thing. We don't understand everything that's there, but we, we, we have a wonderful thing. There's not gonna, everything that I say is going to be in hell is not going to be in heaven. There's not going to be sorrow in heaven. But in, in Psalm 18, verse 5, it says this. It says, The sorrows of hell compassed about me, and the snares of death prevented me. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. There's going to be sorrow in hell. Not only is there going to be sorrow in hell, the next one says there's going to be, it's a place of great destruction. Destruction. Proverbs 15 says this, Hell and destruction are before the Lord. He refers to those two words as the same thing. Hell and destruction are before the Lord. It's not going to be an easy place. It's going to be a sense of torment. And it's for eternity. And I th that's something I think Christians don't even get the, the, the whole aspect of that. Because we have a beginning, right? We don't know when we're going to die, but we have a beginning. And we don't know, what's gonna, we, we don't know when, that thing is gonna, when our time is going to be gone. But we're going to spend eternity one of two places. And this literal hell, it says it's going to be great sorrow. It's going to have destruction there. Not only that, it's also a hell's a place of affliction. Affliction. Jonah says this, And said, I cried by reason of mine affliction to the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of the well cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Out of mine affliction. You know, when I, when I think of some of these words, sorrow, sometimes don't you get tired of sorrow? Don't you get tired of destruction? What about affliction? Letter E, hell is a place of the dead. Proverbs um, 9, 17 and Revelation 20. But he knoweth, not the dead, he knoweth not that the dead are there and that our guests are in the depths of hell. And death and hell are cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever shall not, was not found in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. So we're going to have the dead's going to be there. And this next one's an interesting thing. Inescapable bars. Now there's a mistake on this. It's Job 17, not Job 7. They shall go down to the bars of the pit when our rest together is in the dust. You can't get out of it. You know, we've got some dogs, and I've got one dog that keeps trying to get out of their, their um, fenced-in area. They've got, I've got Daniel and Kelly's dog over here. We have two Irish setters, and one of them is an escape artist. The other one is not. I've got an electrical fence, and that electric fence hits them every time they go through. But one will sit in there and never get out. The other one, she, she looks at it and says, Okay, I'm going to take the pain, and I'm going to get out. She has dug up potatoes. She has eaten tomatoes. She has done everything you possibly could. So we figured out a thing to her. We put a collar on her. So she's got, she gets shocked when she's in, when she tries to get out, 
and then we'll sit there and just keep nailing her with this collar. Well, the other day I looked at, and you have to figure out which dog it is. There are two, they look identical. One of them will come up to you, and that's not usually the one that's, that, that's a bad one. The other one will kind of stay off because she knows she's always in trouble. Well, that morning I put the collar on the wrong dog. And so I wasn't paying attention, and that dog got out. I grabbed that thing. I was like, I'm going to get you. And I just kept shocking her. I was like, and I was watching her, and she wasn't moving. I looked a little bit closer, and she didn't have the collar on. I look over and there's a dog laying in the field just trying to get away from the collar. You know what I did? I went off, took that collar and put it on the other one, started shocking the other one. Amen? Good dog, good dog. You know, we can try to get out all the things we possibly can, but in this situation, they'll never get out. Think about that. They'll never get out. There's no mistake with it because we serve a sovereign God. We serve a righteous God. He knows what's, what, we're, what we've done. He knows everybody in the world. They're not going to be able to get out. It's unpenetrable. I remember, listen, I, I think of Denver and Dorcas. I think it was Dorcas's dad that could get out of any place that he tried. They put him in and said, you can't get out of this room. He took something, got the window out, and got out. They were shocked. You know, we, they will not be able to get out of this. This is not something that's going to go on for seven days or seven months, seven years, 70 years. It's going to go on forever. So when you understand this doctrine of what hell is, you understand the magnitude of what people are going to go through. You say, well, why would God do that? He doesn't want them to go there. It's their choice. Hmm. Letter G. Hell is a place of no bottom. It doesn't have a bottom. It's just gonna, it's gonna be perpetually falling. They'll never be able to get there. They're, they'll never be able, did I miss one? They're never gonna be able to get their footing. It says, it talks about the pit through these. If you look at these verses, it all, it's all about, the, yet shall they be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. For the grave cannot praise thee, death cannot celebrate thee, that they go down of the pit, cannot hope for thy truth. It is an area where, where they're perpetually falling and they can't get their footing. That would be frustrating in and of itself. Let alone the pain and the torment you're going to go through and they'll never be able to get out of it. Hell is found in the New Testament and these are, these are translated the word hell in letter H. Now go to I. Hell is a place into which the body and soul are cast. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verses 29 and 30 says, And if thy right offend, I offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not the whole body should be cast into hell. It says, and fear not which kill the body, but, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Here it says in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, that the body and the soul are going to be there. And they'll feel the pain. Probably know what letter J is. It's an unquenchable fire. And we can look back at that story of um, rich man Lazarus. We see that he was in torment. He was in torment and he would never get out of it. 
Letter K, it says, hell is a place of outer darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth. How many of you have ever been in so much pain that you gnash your teeth? I don't know if I've ever been in that much pain. Well, you grind your teeth. Anybody been like that? I mean, there's some people in here that went through that. Ray is looking at me like he has, amen? But I've never been in that much pain. But I can't imagine sitting there and just grinding your teeth because it hurts so bad. That's what the Bible says that there is, and it's found in Matthew chapter 8 and Matthew chapter 13. Letter L, hell is a place of physical torments. In Luke chapter 16 and verse number 23. It says in Luke chapter 16, verse 23, And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And the last thing is hell is a place of damnation. It's not a place that you want to go to. Matthew chapter 23, verse, 20, verse 33 says this, Ye serpents, ye generations of viper, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? Question mark. You can't. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior. You, we've got to understand what these, what these um, doctrines are all about. Because like I said, they're intertwined with each other. I'm going to give you five reasons why Satan doesn't want you to believe in a little fire, fiery hell. Why he doesn't want the world to believe in it. Number one, look at it. It says, so you will not consider the, the matter of salvation to be important. Everybody knows in this room that salvation is the biggest thing in your life that, that you'll ever make a decision-wise. You know, you hear people say, you hear it on TV, the biggest day of my life was such and such. You know, the biggest day of my life was that transformation that God came into my heart. Because it changed everything. I loved my wife. I loved our wedding day. I liked it. I had a good time. And then I think of, of the children being born. That was our blessings to see your children. But you know what? The best day of my life was not the day that I was born. It's not the day that I was married. It's not the day my children were born. The best day of my life is salvation. The day that I had salvation in my life. I mean, I know some of you, and some of you have shared your testimony with you. God changed you. You could have never done that. And so he tries to get us to understand that the matter of salvation is not important. It's not that big thing. Now look at this, number two. So you will not consider the matter of soul winning to be urgent. You know, I say time and, and factors in, in your life, but everybody else has that time also. I was just looking, someone gave my wife a paper and I was looking at it and reading it. And, and, and it had obituaries. And I looked at some of the obituaries and I thought, some of these people are younger than me. Sometimes I'm worried about the time that I have. So, well, but other people have time factors too. And so we've got to understand that the devil doesn't want us to believe in this little hell because you know why? It, it, it's, it's, soul winning's not urgent. Look at the next one, number three. So you will not consider the matter of Bible authority to be what? Final. Where is our whole salvation and everything, every aspect of our life is found in the Bible? It's finalized in the Bible. I challenge you, and I've heard people say, I, I challenge you to look at the Bible and find something wrong with it. There's nothing. What's wrong with our life is not the Bible. <laughs> What's wrong with our life is us. And so it's final. Look at the next one. So you will not consider the matter of Bible preaching and teaching to be educated. You say, what does that mean? How many people have you ever heard say, well, God would never send someone to hell? 
That's just preposterous. God didn't send them to hell. They chose that. That's not very educated. God would never do that. It's funny the people that say God would never do that, they don't have any idea who God is. Ask them a simple Bible question, they don't, usually don't know those Bible questions. They don't know the simple Bible stories. But they know that God would never do that. I would like to ask them some questions. Do you think God would ever have somebody be swallowed by a whale? You think God would ever resurrect someone that had been dead for too long? Well, He did. We've got to understand that, that, that we think, oh man, that's just uneducated if you believe that. The th fifth one is this. So you will not consider the matter of serving God to be essential. Watch this. Everything that you do in your life should be pointing people to Christ. What do you mean by that? What you act. The way you respond to people. Have you ever, have you ever seen somebody acting up in, in, in a public domain? What do you usually think? That boy needs to be spanked. You ever thought that? We always think things about people. But if the child's acting good, what do you think? I bet they go to church. You ever said that? You know, if they're bad, I bet they never go to church. You know why? Because people are watching everything that we do. Our lifestyle needs to be essential. We need to understand it. There needs to be an urgency about it. Sometimes we don't do that. You know who gets us to believe that? Satan does. Satan wants to confuse you, turn you around where you think, listen, You've got plenty of time. You say, well, he says that to, he does that to lost people, but he does it to save people too. Watch this. When God tells you to do something, you don't do it. You justify it in your mind. I do. Well, God, I've got more time to do that. I can say something to him the next time. I can do this. I can do this. I can do that. And we try to justify it. Now, you know what? God's sitting there, Bernard, going, no, you need to do it now. Man, we've, we've got to understand that Satan doesn't want us to believe the, the things that we just said because he wants us to believe that it's not literally a fiery hell. Five more reasons why we believe in a literal fire, fire, fiery hell because we believe in a verbally inspired, supernatural, preserved Word of God. The Bible talks about it. Number two, because hell was created for who? Anybody? Satan. Hell was created for Satan. Whose crimes are heinous, that a literal hell is justified. See, that's what people don't realize. They'll say, well, listen, God would never put anybody into hell because he's a God of love. He built hell for what? Satan to be cast into. Do you think Satan deserves to? You know, it's interesting when you study certain things and... Um, how many of you know who Anton LaVey is? If I said his name, does anybody know who Anton LaVey is? Anybody know who he is? And do you know who Anton LaVey is? Why aren't you raising your hand, hon? Raise your hand. If I say the word Anton LaVey, good person or bad person? You're taking a 50% chance on it. Watch this. And Anton LaVey, good person or bad person? Bad. You know who Anton LaVey is? He's the guy that penned 
the Satanic Bible. Hmm. Sometimes we don't realize how subtle Jesus, how subtle um, Jesus, how subtle Satan is. There's an old movie. Uh, there's an old album, and, and I'm going to date myself with this. It's a singing group called the Eagles, and they sang a song called Hotel California. And if you look at their album and you look up on the upper balcony of their album, there's a man sitting up there and he's bald and he's looking over. And if you listen to the words of that song, it talks about a place you can go in but you can never get out of. You know who's sitting on the balcony up there? A man by the name of Anton LaVey. The same man that penned the Satanic Bible. Satan knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And he wants us to say, oh, wow, the Bible, who, who, we live in a world right now that they don't want to believe the Bible. I challenge you to go to some liberal organization tell them you believe the Bible. See what they say. You think we live in a world that, does, that believes the Bible? No, they don't. We need to understand what we believe. Because hell was created for Satan, look at number, number three, because the price God paid to keep us from going there is too great if hell were merely a symbolic place. Understand that statement? Because the price God paid to keep us from going there is too great if hell were merely a symbolic place. It's not symbolic, it's literal, and all these things happen there. Because God, and number four, because God cannot let anything or anyone into heaven that is def, that, that's defiled. He can't do it. Heaven can't have anything that's defiled. So he can't just let anybody in there. The Bible says that. Because in spite of the desperate high cost of salvation, God still offers it, what's the word here you think? It starts with the letter F, freely without cost to you. My salvation didn't cost me anything. It didn't cost me anything. It cost God something. And so this hell has been paid through this, and we've got to see this. Now, these are, this is interesting. The popular misconceptions about hell. If you talk to especially a young person, they'll say, hey, I don't know if I believe this, and this is some of the misconceptions. Let's look at these real quick, and we'll be done. Number one, no one will see friends in hell because of the outer darkness. You say, well, it's flames, and flames are bright. Do some research on some hot flames. Hot flames burn what? Black or clear. There's darkness. You're not going to see your friends. I, you know, dealing with young people, you'll hear them say this. Well, you know, I'm just going to go out and have a good time, and I'll be with my friends. Where do you show me that in the Bible? You won't see that in the Bible. Number two. No one will move about at will because the pit has no floor or bottom. You can't move around there. Then you, then you hear this with young people. It's kind of dating myself when I write this. No one will party because of the excruciating pain and suffering. Let's just face it, men. Most of us in here are not good patients. If I have a headache, I am not someone you want to get around. Can you imagine what they're going to be feeling? How many of you have ever said you got something planned and then something comes up and you get sick? Do you want to go to that? No. They're not going to be able to be with each other. 
They're not going to be able to move around. They're not going to be able to part. Number four, no one will ever get out of hell because of the great gulf that cannot be crossed. The bars will not let them get out. They'll be in a pit and they will not be able to get out. Oh, they'll try, but they won't be able to get out. And I think the roughest thing is number five. No one will be annihilated because their bodies will live forever. Their bodies are not going to fall apart. They're going to be in perpetual pain. Now, it's a somber thought process when you think about what hell is. Because in all actuality, I'm looking around, I, I know most of you in here that we're not going to spend one moment in hell. But we all know someone that will. Um, let's go to that last verse. Go to Revelation chapter 21. And let's look at this. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4. This is a good way to end it. Because you know why? We're going to have we're going to have great memories when it, when it goes to heaven. We're going to have wonderful things. We're going to see a feast. We're gonna see, we've already talked about that judgment. I mean, he knows what are, he knows that we got salvation, but we're going to see some wonderful things. I, I think it's going to be very interesting to, to meet some of the saints in glory. Some of the people we think are going to get a lot of glory, a lot of crowns are not going to get hardly any, and then others are going to get a bunch, and we're not going to even realize who they are. But here's what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 21. Everybody got there? It says, And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no, there, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. It's an interesting statement at the very end. It says, for the former things are passed away. What are the former things? He, he gives you the list of them. In our life, we're going to have some sorrow. In our life, we're going to have some death. In our life, we're going to have some crying. But when we get to heaven, God's going to wipe those tears away from us. Aren't you tired of some sorrow in your life? Aren't you tired of some things that happen in your life? You go, why is this happening? Aren't you tired of getting older? Don't you wish you could do the things you could do? I always revert back to the story of Randy and I when we were playing basketball one time. We, we, we were like two dinosaurs fighting. And I'd say T-Rexes because our arms are so short. We don't want to... We don't want to get over that much but I remember one time the ball went right between both of us and we were on opposing teams and we, and we kind of like looked at it as it went by and and I knew what he was thinking and he knew what I was thinking he said he looked at me he goes you couldn't bend over that fast could you and I said neither could you <laughs> and I don't remember whose ball it was but they took the ball and I thought there's no way there would have been a time that I'd been like Larry Barnett where I'd have dove on the ground and like a squirrel and crack and grab that ball and just throw, throw it around, you know, but I can't do that anymore. Isn't it going to be great when we get to heaven? Because all the things that I just mentioned are things we're not going to, we're not going to feel. We're not going to see. But those that don't have Christ, they are. 
That's sad. And I want to say this to you. You wouldn't wish that upon your biggest enemy. You wouldn't. You wouldn't wish that upon that person that's in your family that is belligerent, stubborn. I've got a sister. I, Anne, I, I don't think she's saved. And I don't see her very often. When I do, she's belligerent. I love her. But I, I think she's split hell wide open. And all the things that I'm going to see when I die are going to be totally different than the things she's going to see when she dies. All the joy that I'm going to have, she'll never experience. See, what I'm going to do is I'm going to experience joy. I'm going to experience peace, love. But you know what she's going to experience? She's going to experience pain, darkness. Not being able to get her footing. Not being able to see anybody. And that's sad. So we've got a, we've got a job to do. And our job will never end until we take our last breath. You know what I want to be? I want to be that person that's in, in the hospital and about ready to pass away and wanting to pass out tracks. I want to be that person that someone says, man, he's happy. You talk about a difference. When my mom passed away, she's happy. She's happy right before she went, before she passed. And I thought, man, alive. how do you get that? Because she knew who Christ was. Hell is a literal place. Satan doesn't want you to think that, doesn't want the world to think that. They want it, oh, everything's going to be okay. No, we're not going to. I mean, you just think about what they do. And they do subtly. And I'll end it with this. There's, a, there's shows out that talk about reincarnation. Where do you find that in the Bible? You can't find it in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. I am not going to come back as a Buddhist, Buddhist monk. I'm not going to do it. You know what? I'm not going to come back as all these things that they, they, they talk about. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And aren't you thankful for that?